Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Parks and Recollection. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Hare, better known as Gary, Larry, Jerry, Terry, and Barry from uh, Johnny Karate. And sitting next to me, oh, God, I always forget your name. I Thank uh, you. Thank you. It's a uh, joy to be here with you every time. But what, you, you know, what is the name? The name is Greg. Greg. We've worked on this That's before. It. Yes, we have yeah. done this. Yeah. I think contractually you're supposed to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I was on one episode of Parks and Rec. And my character's name is Jewish Greg, which... <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so uh, I remember being named in the room. I was covering I was covering for China Joe, uh, and they had me in it, and they're pitching in the room, what should your character's name be? What should the name be? And I think Dan Gore shouts from across the room, Jewish Greg. It immediately gets <laughs> written into the script. It's never pitched on as anything else but that. <laughs> and so, you know, in my very limited IMDb credits... Of acting, very crazily, I've played three things. Once was I was mistaken um, as a blues brother uh, on Hollywood Boulevard for Arrested Development, okay. uh, uh, but I'm actually an Orthodox Jew. Another time, <laughs> I was in the movie I Love You Man, and uh, my character was supposed to be J Date guy, and now I'm Jewish Greg. So, Jim, after all of that, <laughs> let me tell you, I have, I think there's some kind of. <laughs> Yeah, there, there, a theme. Yeah, yeah, there's a, a theme. theme yeah, yeah, I think it works. But think about it. You've only had three credits. They're all pretty big credits. Arrested yeah. Development. And I, you know, I love you, man, in parks. Offer only. I never auditioned, which is really amazing. Yeah, you are offer only. I have heard that. Well, what's, I, you know, didn't plan this, but what a great way to, I think, bring in and talk about who's joining us today. Yeah, this is pretty huge, you guys, um, for the ta- Parks yeah. fans. <laughs> Tana, talk about cartoonishly Jewish names. Um, we have Dennis Feinstein himself. Jason Matsukas is here with us Yay! in studio to talk about his character in this episode we're going to be doing. Jason, thank you for joining us. Gentlemen, I'm absolutely thrilled to be here. Uh, it, what a delight, too, to watch uh, an episode of Parks in the middle of the day. Well, I, I so you caught up time. on the episode. Good for you. I, I like that. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was so excited to to dig back in. And I really was like, oh, man, I got to go. Because this episode is in such a flux period of the show mm. in terms of what's going on. And I was like, oh, right. Oh, I want to watch. I want to watch the disgrace, uh, <laughs> the, how Ben gets fired in yes. disgrace yes. and all that. <laughs> I was like, oh, right, right, right. It was great. It was great. 
I'm and, excited to chat. Well, the episode that Jason is referring to, the episode we're gonna that he has was forced to watch in the daytime with himself in it, which is also a great little detail, is... Also weird. Always also weird, to be, weird watching yeah. a, to be watching a show you enjoy and then you appear on yeah. screen. And you're like, I'm pretty and funny. I'm like, oh, God. I'm this to, guy's yeah. here? <laughs> yeah, also, I just... Before we get into the episode, yeah, which okay, obviously sorry. we're going to yeah. do that, um, your resume overall is just pretty amazing. So, I mean, literally just even the other day, I'm listening to Howard Stern and your name comes up. I mean, you're just like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're everywhere. Um, you're a UCB guy. You're obviously an improv guy. You, you prove that every day with the different things you do, but you also do something that I am super jealous of. Uh, you do the podcast with Paul Shear and uh, June Diane Raphael. Yeah. And how did I, this get made? It's called, I think June well, first of all, Paul, too, who also did an episode of Parks That's and Rec. Right. That's right. That poor yeah. guy had to do a, what is that dance? Oh, the worm, right? He had to do the worm. And I remember oh, watching that right. like, that sucks. Yeah. Oh, does that <laughs> suck? Like that. And, and Perd Happily, Jay Jackson had to do that do also. Yeah. Same season. Yeah, very, weird. very awful. Awful for many reasons. But anyway, I think June, who also was on Parks and Rec, everything comes back to Parks and Rec. Um, oh, she yeah. played April's... What do you call it? Um, oh, her doppelganger, her counterpart, kind of, her in, counterpart. In yeah, in Eagleton. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So anyway, I'm very jealous that you do that with them because I love those guys. It's great fun. It's a you know, and shockingly, we've been now doing it for 12 years. Wow. Which wow. In podcast terms, is yes. like forever. Yes. yes. Very fun. Very fun. I love that we get to do it, and there is like there is something quite lovely about all of us having been on Parks. Which is now also so long ago in a, in a way that blows my mind. Oh God, uh, blows my mind every day. This, yeah, I bet. And you're the king of Mike Shore shows because you've done Brooklyn Nine Nine, yes, Parks, uh, the Good and Place. The good place. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, I was not on The Office, I, and that's. I mean, Mike worked on The Office. wasn't It wasn't his show, but I did not. I wasn't on The Office, so that's the that's the hole in my. You know what's uh, interesting Mike about Shore that? Bingo card. Yeah, because. Uh, I auditioned for The Office once, and I didn't get so it. Did of course, I. I was very, you know, like, oh, that's a shame. I love that show. I wonder, had I guested on The Office, would that have mm. knocked me out of the running? I don't know, because sometimes I don't want those. Now, we know Rashida, oh, obviously, saying, there was a that big have, crossover. Would that have made you, yeah, would that have made you not attractive to them when, you, when it came around to parks? Oh, that's yeah, interesting. I there wonder. are other reasons huh. he's unattractive. Well, yes, yes, but let's don't, you know. That's between my surgeon and I. Okay. No, but seriously, I, I've always wondered. Like, I wonder if that would have screwed. Well, Jim, the was whole it a up. was the part you auditioned for on The Office like very large? Because if it was a big part, maybe mm. so. But if it was a small, memorable part, that might have only made them be like, "Oh, we've got to get yeah, Jim we for need this to bring next well, <laughs> Jason, I am Jim O'Hare. So yes, it was quite a huge part. And uh, <laughs> no, I actually I don't remember what kind of part it was. But it was I, Michael Scott. It was yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was about the guy who ran the place, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but no. So I, I mean, at the time, you know, when you you don't get a gig, you audition for, it, you're like, oh, that sucks. Especially a show you love. No, I Jim, agree. We didn't know. We don't care. <laughs> you know, and I also think like, because I auditioned for The Office multiple times for multiple roles. Oh, wow. You know, and because I oftentimes will talk to people too. It's like there is something about getting in front of people, even for jobs you don't get. Right. Getting in front of people, doing your thing so that maybe they don't picture you for this role here yep. and now. 100%. But that later on down the line, they're like, oh, I know. Mm. I like... I like that guy, Jim. He would be good for this. Or I, I liked Jason when he came in for this. Maybe he would be good for that. I say this all the time, and I tell young people who are up and coming, 
every audition, it's about doing your best because you don't know what these people are doing down the road. So when I auditioned yeah. for Parks, I auditioned for Ron Swanson. Well, you know, can you imagine anyone other than Nick Offerman? But my point was, I'm going to be going in for these people who created The Office. I just want them to remember me. So if there's a guest spot down the road, if, who, for whatever reason, I want to impress these guys. It was never did I think they're going to give Jim O'Hare Ron Swanson. And then whatever happened in that room, they liked enough to bring me back for Jerry. And then, you know, the rest is kind of history or whatever. But you're so you're so right. It's just um, you just want to get in the room with these people and show them what you can do. And hopefully it yeah, sticks in their brain. You don't you don't know when they're going to decide like, oh, we need we need uh, this or that. And so it, it kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think my. What did, I think when I auditioned, when they were starting Parks, I auditioned for um, the part that ultimately was Paul, um, what's Schneider. The, what's Paul Schneider, right. Paul Schneider, Mark thank you so much. Yeah. Exactly. That's the part I believe I auditioned for first. So um, did Adam Scott. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, totally. Uh, great part. Great. I mean, I was, I was disappointed to not, I, I mean, I didn't get close, I don't think, even remotely. But I was so delighted to just even be like up for uh, or being seen by uh, all these folks because Mm. I was just a massive fan. Couldn't have been more excited. That's how I felt. This is the power of a great casting director. And we should talk about the episode, obviously, but Alison Jones, who cast The Office, who who did the pilot in the first season of Parks and Rec, randomly my old boss, actually how I got started on The Office was Alison. I I wound up working for her during the writer's strike as an assistant and knew she uh, wanted to be a writer and called uh, Greg Daniels and Mike Schur once a week. 2007 writer's strike? Yeah. And she called Greg and Mike once a week and said, you're going to do a new show. You need to meet my assistant. He wants to be a writer. And they brought me on to be a writer's assistant. That's amazing. But that's the power of a great casting director who's like, this person is great and I'm going to keep bringing them in until yeah. the the right showrunners, the right producers realize this is the right role for them and and cast them, um, which I think is a nice little way in to talk about this episode. Which is here you are playing a, a role I can't picture anybody else no. playing. No, nobody. After one episode, when you're Dennis <laughs> Feinstein, it's impossible to picture any other person being Dennis Feinstein. I'll tell you, a lot of fun was in the room had about what should your character's name be. Oh, um, nice. oh yeah. See, this is what I want to know. Greg, this is great. This is very helpful because I don't know any of this, the stories of the behind the scenes of how, because once I get a script, once I'm given a script, it's you've been living with it for so much longer than I do. Right, right. Well, yeah, the fun of uh, this kind of character whose real name is Dante Fieri, right? Um, Fiero. Fiero. I was called Dante Fiero. Fiero, that's but right. But he chose, he chose Dennis Feinstein in because it would be more in Pawnee, a, a more... Uh, um, Exciting name. Yes, yes. Yes. It's an exotic name in the world of Pawnee. Exotic, even Dennis Feinstein. And when there are moments that are pitched like that, when everybody cracks up and you know you hit a home run, you know you have stepped on something super funny that also is not just a joke, but actually speaks to the lore of Pawnee, right? There's a, it's a joke about your character. It's also a joke about Pawnee. Um, that's one of those great moments. So it's so funny that you, of course, are are the one and only Dennis Feinstein in today's episode that we're talking about, which is season four, episode 10. It's Citizen Nope. It was written by Dave King and directed by Randall Einhorn. Love Randall. Throwing that out. Love Dave. Love Randall. Great. Good Home peeps, runs. good peeps. I, you know what? Speaking of love, I love the air date. It was December 8th, <laughs> 2011. 
And now, um, yeah, and if I remember correctly, yeah, your blurb skills are incredible. Jim. My blurb skills, see how I just like yeah. you wouldn't oh even know God. I was going to read something. Uh, this is so natural. Uh, Leslie tries to keep herself busy during her suspension from the department, but her city council campaign suffers because of the Ben relationship scandal. Meanwhile, Ben searches for a job in the private sector, and the park department tries to come up with the perfect Christmas gift for Leslie, which is almost impossible, and yet they did it. Mm. Jim's superb blurb work. Thanks. Superb blurb. blurb. Yeah. It's really, it's become my thing. Um, there's a lot of talk about a series <laughs> spinoff with just blurbs. Anyway, whatever. That's that's other. It's just a podcast of blurbs. That's other, pro- that's other yeah. projects. We okay, don't need good. to yeah. get involved. Oops, oops all blurbs. <laughs> but we have, um, um, we have our Nopes notes, just a few call-outs we want to just, uh, you know, address right away before we get into the the synops- our synopsis. We're heavy on Nopes puns here. Uh, um, apparently. Yes. You know, in both of Ben's— Don't hate us, Jason. Don't hate us. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it, there's just a, a Jason-shaped hole in the door now. <laughs> it's a reverse Kool-Aid guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no! Oh, no! no. <laughs> um, in both of Ben's job interviews this episode, he winds up meeting with characters who we've previously seen. First, Barney, the accountant, who first appeared in Leslie's house and then Telethon um, when, uh, as he was a rec center instructor. Um, one of my favorite characters, Barney. and Played and, by John Balma. Just a little info. Thank you. Yes. And 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 Jason's character, Dennis Feinstein, um, is the man Tom tried to sell his scent to <laughs> in Indianapolis, of course. And then you know uh, uh, one suggestion at the parks committee of Pon- that uh, the parks committee of Pawnee meeting the PCP meeting, um, which Leslie runs as a citizen, uh, is clear eyes, full hearts can't lose from the series Friday Night Lights, which I know uh, Mike Shore was a big fan of. And it, for what it's worth, I went through the script and uh, I was curious where did that come from. That line is not in the script, so it was a moment on set. Yeah. Just oh, little, nice. So she little, just. She just. Uh, oh, I like that. I love yeah. the comparison between script and um, and production. That's a great. I'm curious. I would like to know how my scene uh, oh. measures up in, in that regard. <laughs> we'll run it through the computer, through the database, and see what percentages. <laughs> well, Jason, did you audition, or was this an offer? Like at this point, were you? I was offered Dennis Feinstein. Yeah. Um, I was offered Dennis Feinstein as uh, as that. Um, with no understanding that it would ever come back. It was just as that initial uh, episode that you mentioned, Greg, uh, where uh, Aziz comes to pitch me um, Tommy Fresh. Is that what it's called? Tommy Fresh, I think. I think uh, so. it was yeah. Tommy Fresh, yeah. 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 His cologne and we have a back and forth in the bar. That was that was the only that was the only thing I did. It was just that scene and it was great. Uh, and then it, just in in the way that I love and and Greg, maybe you can shed some light on this. That that every once in a while, I would get a call that's like, "Oh, we need another Dennis Feinstein yeah. scene. Are you available?" You know, and I would be thrilled uh, to do it. Those are the best actor calls. Yes, they yes. really are. You're just hanging out, watching an episode of TV on a two p.m. of yourself, <laughs> yes. and you're like, "You want me for more of me? Yes. All I'm doing is watching me." <laughs> well, I, what I loved about your character is that um, each time we see him. Um, he does get crazier, and you start yes. crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, you're already <laughs> you crazy. You start crazy. I mean, there's an episode in, in a few seasons that we're going to get to, and we got to talk again uh, with you. But now you're going to have, I think, you're going to have Ben and Tom and Andy in the scene. There's, and Chris, and, yeah. Right? And, and, and it's just— yeah. 
who are the other people? Who needs to be in a scene with Dennis Feinstein at this point? Who has not experienced him? The, the, I was always wanting a Dennis Feinstein, Ron Swanson standoff. Oh, yeah. Oh, Just be because, like... That would be amazing. Like, what could be more of the opposite energy yeah. to Dennis Feinstein's manic, chaotic craziness yes, yeah. than yeah. the than the absolute terrifyingly still and measured Ron Swanson. Yes. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> that would have been really, yeah. really great. Yeah. Um, well, let's um, let's talk a little bit about the episode because we're going to get uh, to uh, to Jason very soon, uh, his scene, but we're going to talk to him the whole time, obviously. When you have Jason the whole here, time. You have to talk he to ain't Jason going anywhere. Um, in well, our... If you don't mind me saying, just to, just to respond a little bit to what you just said, Greg, though, just to, like when you're outlining all these yeah, people yeah. and all this stuff, what I what I and rewatching it too, um, what I love about the show is, and, and forgive me, perhaps you've said this in the past, but just for me, I was reminded myself, uh, Ben Schwartz, uh, John Ralphio's in this episode. Um, like you said, the accountant. All these people are from the past. Like I love that Pawnee, as the show goes on, Pawnee just becomes this populated by characters almost Springfield on the Simpsons-esque right. kind of world in which we, we when you need uh, supporting players, instead of just creating new people out of whole cloth, you're just pulling and reusing and reconfiguring all of these players that already exist. And I love that. I love the sprawl mm. of Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that you, by the end of this show, you really have a sense of Pawnee, mm-hmm. not just these characters, but Pawnee. And I always, in that regard, figured that Dennis Feinstein was a Montgomery Burns. Oh, I love yes. that. Yes, oh, that is a good reference, yeah. I love it. Even when, along they, those lines, even the people, the the background extras, uh, they tried to keep them the same in the town, in, in the city, yeah. you know, in our building, because they wanted it to feel right. like these are the same people. That's this great. town is this big. Right. Which is crazy that there is a Dennis Feinstein in a town that is this big. I mean, that's yeah, kind right. of so nutty. some sort of evil industrialist. <laughs> yes. yes, some sort of like in malevolent Pawnee. businessman is still somehow controlling Pawnee. I love that. <laughs> Pawnee becomes this has this mythic status that one day people are when they're entrepreneurs are like, obviously, I'm going to move to Pawnee and strike. <laughs> yes, strike yes, right. Pawnee is my destination. <laughs> When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. That is so true, Greg. LinkedIn knows that as a small business owner, you don't have the time or the resources to spend countless hours looking for the right person for the job. So they have launched a new feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. And it isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching. In fact, get this, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Wow, that, that, that's impressive. That's amazing. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash parks. That's linkedin.com slash parks to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. You work with the best and the best bring it. Because I'm guessing, uh, you know, we recently spoke with uh, Mo Collins and you know, Mo is, she played Joan Calamezzo and she's Mo Fantastic. Collins. And what a great character. One Love of the, her. Just the best. And she knew they let her go. They just let her go. And they knew what she oh. could bring and they let her go. And that's... I will say, like, I felt very similarly set up. You know, like, there, it was very clear, like, there was a lot of room to to define Dennis Feinstein as we went. You know, like... I, I'm almost positive it's not in the script that Dennis Feinstein hunts people. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I think I'm you're 90% right. <laughs> sure that is an improvised line. And then only comes to be more significant in the next episode that we were talking about in the cigar bar, when it seems as though Dennis Feinstein would like to hunt yes, Tom yes. Haverford. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Damn, um, amazing. Well, let's talk about this episode okay. and our synopsis. Um, it's Christmas time in Pawnee. And Leslie uh, is serving her two-week suspension from her job. Which Le- is literally the worst thing that could happen to Leslie. No. Right. I cannot work. To be suspended work. Yeah, from her job. Weeks. She can't work. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie insists on sneaking back into her office to grab work to do at home, which Chris prohibits. She decides to use her free time to focus on her campaign for city council, but her advisors suggest she relax until the post-scandal poll numbers are released. We've talked about a lot, but Pawnee's think tank has the ability to do snap polls at any point on city council races. Like every Christmas, everyone in the Parks Department receives extremely thoughtful gifts from Leslie, so Ron and Anne suggest they all work together to give her something special. I just want to call it right away. In the cold open, um, we learn that Chris Traeger is wearing an experimental workout shirt called Bumbleflex made out of bees' wings. And it's so... Silly. <laughs> it's, it's so, so silly. stupid. And it's so great. One of the things that I love about this show is the specificity that is brought to bear on things. It's not just that Chris Traeger is up and exercising. It's that he's doing it to a degree that he has experimental gear that <laughs> yes. is that he's on the cutting edge in Pawnee. He's on the cutting edge of new running gear that's made with artificial bee wings. Yeah. Great. Like the drilling down, <laughs> drilling down into the incredible specificity of these characters because that helps you so understand Chris Traeger, you know, is it that that line, not just that he's there, that he's exercising and that he's being himself, that he ha- that he's testing out bee-based, Bumblefish. artificial yes. bee wing yes. based yes. Uh, gear. I love it. I love that. He's a workhorse. He's a runner. He's he's gross. You know, some of the gifts from Leslie that she uh, gives to the Parks team, uh, I just, speaking of specificity, this is the kind of moment that's fun in the room, right? We know there's going to be a comedy game. The comedy game of the scene is Leslie's going to give gifts, right? And we know that Leslie's an amazing gift giver. They're hyper-specific. They're very personalized. What would each of these people actually want that they'd be actually happy about? And so what happens? Donna receives a zebra print jacket with the words, (laughs) you can get it, embroidered on the back (laughs) in hot pink. (laughs) Leslie got Tom a pocket watch, but he took, uh, uh, she took out the clock part and put a little thing that reads baller time. Uh, (laughs) Leslie painted, maybe commissioned, probably, 
maybe painted herself a picture of April slaughtering the black-eyed peas. Um, and <laughs> I loved that specific. That's my favorite one, actually, out of all of them. Great. Yeah. I loved it. Well, and Ron, when Ron was out of the office, uh, Leslie installed an automatic door uh, button that would close the the doors around him with the push of a button. Um, and I'm pretty sure that both uh, Mike Shore and line producer Morgan Sackett had one installed on their office doors <laughs> as well. Also, Jerry's gift, socks. Jerry's and, gift, socks. You know she why? Gets she, gets she, gets <laughs> she gets me. She gets me. She just gets me. Yeah. Uh, just like the, the, probably the line of the episode. She gets, she gets, she gets with me. With such Jim. pride, with such oh, happiness. Yeah, I mean, she's done all these you amazing won, you things. You won the Oscar for that, right, Jim? You I won did, the Oscar was, for that? Yeah, a Peabody Award, whatever. There's a couple of awards. Uh, <laughs> a lot of talk about future uh, spinoff with that. But um, no, and, and I just love that every, I mean, she the, to the extent that she won for everybody else, like amazing, amazing. But Jerry is just as happy yeah. with those socks as... As, oh, yeah. as April is with her black eyed peas dead and and uh, and that amazing, uh, you know, she somehow got a gold record for Andy. I mean, amazing. Um, but I do think the black eyed peas. Oh yeah, that is my favorite of gifts that everybody got. And not for yeah. nothing, I, uh, as I just recently turned forty, and I have to tell you, if someone gave me socks, I'd be like. You know what? That's really great. <laughs> yes, I can use. Oh, those. a friend of mine gave me socks last year for Christmas, and I was like, "Thank you so <laughs> yeah, much." Yeah. You guys, I'm 60 years old, and my family still buys me underwear, and I'm not joking. Amazing. Yeah. Can I ask you a question, Greg? Just on, how, like, on a process level. Sure. When you guys are in the room and you're breaking this part of the story where Leslie's gifts to everybody, you know, you know that's going to be a part of it. Do you guys stop and just? For a period of time, just pitch on what are these gifts for each person? Do you and do you remember any of the unused gifts mm. that were pitched? To answer your first, the first part of your question, yes. I mean, generally, when you have a moment like this, you'll in the prep of an episode, um, the writers who you know will pitch on everything, and what, yeah. it'll just keep keep get getting pitched on. We've talked about this. We talked about this when Mo Collins was here. That you know, when it comes to writing comedy, um, there's always a funnier joke. Right? There's yeah. always can, a fu- yeah. there's always something funnier. So a moment like this, a scene like this, could have easily been four hours in the room one wow. day. Because yeah. there's always a funnier thing. And and then our 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 props people, our set deck people are like, wait, you already told us <laughs> right. what these characters are getting as a gift. We already bought Jerry's socks. Yeah, because somebody has to go out and somebody has to go out and then produce a, a painting of killing the black eyed peas. Killing the black eyed peas, that's not an insignificant prop. Like that is no, both it's a impa- major important and has to be it has to be gorgeous, you know, yeah. and it is. Um, but if you came back and were like, oh, instead we want her to kill Coldplay. Right. You know, then you're like, oh, fuck. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. We got to get Coldplay gotta... on the, we have to clear Coldplay now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, back anyway. in, our, in our synopsis. Yeah. Um, so we, we got to get to Jason too. You know, um, Ben begins looking for a new job after his resignation as assistant city manager. He first interviews for an accounting position with Barney Varm, V-A-R-M-N, <laughs> accounting firm, but turns it down after realizing it isn't what he really wants to do. At Ben's suggestion, Leslie forms a Citizens Action Committee to keep busy and continue her involvement with the local government. She names the group the Parks Committee Upon E, or PCP. Because why not? (laughs) And I love even, and I love that even when faced with the the truth that that is PCP, that is the drug piece, she, she doubles down 
And it's like, no, 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 because like the drug, yes, you know, yes, she's yes. comparing <laughs> comparing them to PCP. I love I love that she's and that's something that I love about the show is that the show does the joke that it's called PCP and then yes ands themselves right. into a bet like a further a further heightening of the joke, you know, uh, not just this joke, but the next joke by, by oh no, it's not oh no, we can't do that. It's yes and right. more. Well, we we talked about that sometimes in the room. This was a very what we call like a written joke, right? It is perhaps funniest in with the fewest words if you read yes. it, right? This is a you can see PCP very quickly. In this sense, you need to spend the real estate now in another character saying a line, you mean PCP, and then another joke is necessary on top of that. So it comes back to our main character making a joke on that yep. joke, right? So yeah. Well, you guys have a lot to think about. Damn it. I'm glad I'm just good looking. And you just get the lines and you're you like, well, what do I have yeah. to say? Uh, the, the PTP. <laughs> yeah, I love you're socks. A, I love you're socks. You're just the hunk, Jim. You're just, just, the, it's you're all, just the hunk. It's all the looks. That's all the, let's face it, I'm the eye candy. Well, um, the the accounting firm scene and Adam Scott's performance oh. in this episode in general, we need to talk about. I so love funny. first that Ben is so vulnerable and self-hating, yet he's cheerful uh, in his breakfast scene with Leslie. He's even smiling when he he says he's resigned in disgrace. This gamut of of emotions that this character is going through in this episode is great, especially we won't talk about it now, but he's going to go through quite a gauntlet in the next episode too. Like we're putting his character through the ringer, but I love, I love Barney's character. And I love the fact that Ben can't help but make Jokes about accounting yeah. jokes, yeah, and, are, and bad jokes, bad really dumb terrible jokes, jokes that kill, that are killing oh, yeah. it. When he says, "Ted, come in here," it's one of my yeah. favorite parts. <laughs> and, then, I mean, and then he goes, yes. "Do it for Ted." <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's I, really, it's so funny, and and I love Adam's performance because Adam is delivering these terrible accounting jokes in a way that they're crushing, and he's disappointed. He's disappointed, they're like yes. How, how much he's crushing is like, oh no, I sh maybe I don't want this job. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And, and I also, he's so kind of pathetic from the beginning of the episode. And by pathetic, I just mean it's heartbreaking. He has, uh, there's a, a, a quick back and forth with him and Leslie. Leslie goes, you know, in a way, my suspension from work was kind of a blessing. He's like, yeah, I feel the same way about resigning in disgrace. And she goes, totally. Like, just yeah. like, <laughs> this yeah. is how, you, yes, you have to resign in disgrace, which we all know from his days of mayor of, uh, of uh, 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 where, what was he? The mayor of the ice town. Yeah. 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 And he yeah. A partridge. Re resigned in disgrace. Uh, God bless this man. Yeah. And this, he did for Leslie. <laughs> this yeah. time he did it for Leslie. Well, there's a great thing here in, in the, how, how, you know, there's a joke being made of how often he says I would, I resigned in disgrace. And right. she says, maybe stop. Don't lead with that. But there's something quite funny about, actually, I'm going to, own that I resigned in disgrace, right? I'm going to find... We're and then finding later... Yeah. And later, I, is it John Ralphio who says that he resigned in disgrace? Like, yes. I feel like one of the other characters <laughs> yes. puts that on him. Yes. He's yes. not even brought it up there. So that's how it's being discussed in the... In, in, in larger <laughs> right. Bonnie. Right. Yes. Right. Yes, yes. And he's also so... He's telling her he's going... He has a... How was he auditioned? He has a interview uh, for an accounting firm to be their accountant. Yeah. I mean, think about how awful that yeah, is. Yeah. The accountant oh. of an accounting firm. And, and oh, no yeah. shade on any account of accounting firms oh, out there. Jim, but, you are fucked. Uh, <laughs> you're going to hear from, oh, you're gonna hear from all the yeah. accountants. Canceled. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so heartbreaking. And yet, 
I don't know because you know Adam is just so good at that role and yeah. But you're there's something. Give, yeah, there's something really great about how defeated he is and the fact that he keeps using the phrase "resigned in disgrace," "resigned yes. in disgrace." <laughs> yes. But then that that John Ralphio uses it only confirms that he's correct. Yes. Oh, that's like, a great the, point. A, yes. Yeah, that Adam, is a good point. Adam or, or Ben or, you know, Adam Scott's performance, but the, but Ben Wyatt's point of view is, is he's right. Everybody knows he resigned in disgrace. He should feel that yes. acutely, and he does. Yes. And that's what's great. You know, little do we know that this was going to start uh, or continue this long run of Barney cameos, um, always cracking up at Ben's bad jokes. There's going to be a wonderful scene in the season or two where Ben winds up back at the accounting firm mm. and they throw a huge party for him and he kills it with jokes and he's so smug. He gives a smug, like, wink to camera. That's one of my favorite Ben Wyatt moments in this in the series. It's funny to think about, and we talked about this, Jason, with, uh, uh, with Dennis Feinstein. It's funny to think about how uh, a character or a joke starts and... You don't re- you don't know in the course of the series how often it's going to get mined and how crazy it's going to get. Sure. Same thing with Calzones. There's a moment in this episode coming up mm-hmm. when uh, when Ben and Leslie are, are having a, a meal and he says just under his breath, "Man, I love me a calzone." I know he just can't help it. But the calzone, uh, uh, you know, barrel is quite deep when it comes to Ben. The the but accounting. We, I, shows. I wrote that down. Was that the first calzone reference? No, he. I mean, he, we learn about his love of calzones so in season three. Okay, so um, we're already he's already loving them. Right. We already know yeah. that he has a thing for calzones, and no one understands logically. Right. Yeah. Um, Though I do love a good calzone, I'm not gonna. Who doesn't love a calzone? Who, you know? But it is. That's what I think. Parks really. Kind of a little bit of what you guys were talking about earlier is there is an element to Parks which is familial, you know, as a even though it is a workplace set show in many regards, it is a family show for all intents and purposes. You know what I mean? As opposed to the office, because I I I like I love that that reference. It is a family show. I love that. You know, it's it's a family show. It's a found family. Yeah. You know, it's a found family of people who work together in a way that, yes, the office was people that work together, but they do just work together, even though they have their their fondnesses and their relationships and all the rest. Parks is really a family show in terms of its its kind of outlook or point of view in a lot of ways. And that's kind of what it's about oftentimes is the 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 vicissitudes of of family life. Yes. You know, yes. and that's what I love about it. And that's what's kind of great is you're getting to see you're getting to see these people grapple with elements and events that challenge them in their interpersonal relationships, not just their work life, not just like, oh, no, I can't, I'm suspended from work. That is I'm suspended from work. How does that impact me giving my coworkers gifts, mm, you know, right. my, 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 these love, how do I, sh- I show my love this way, you know? Um, and that is family, yeah. you know? That's such a great lead. And I think to the next part of synopsis and it'll, it'll make sense in a second, but we're about to start talking about the team now is going to start doing something for Leslie, that idea of the family giving back, taking care of, of their own. Right. So in the next section of our synopsis, uh, Anne has the great idea to make Leslie a miniaturized version of the office out of gingerbread. Ben goes on another job interview this time, meeting with cologne maker Dennis Feinstein. Mm -hmm. But Ben is disgusted with Feinstein's business practices (laughs) and walks out on the interview. The PCP, we know what we're talking about here. I don't have to clarify. The PCP becomes a loud presence at town meetings. That could just be true in general about PCP, by the way. And at Chris's job, thanks to Leslie's intense 
leadership. So we're almost there with Dennis, but this scene where they decide to make uh, this miniaturized version of the office out of gingerbread. One, I love Nick in the scene when he has the idea of to make it out of wood. And yeah. very quickly, Anne, whose comedy game in this one is taking such pride in how much Leslie loves her that she's the favorite, clearly, in that room of people. <laughs> yes. um, she has this other idea that everyone loves, and he just can't help saying under his breath, or wood. He can't help. Yeah. Because, you know, he's going to have to get out of his comfort zone in the storyline. Um I think it's so yeah, funny. He to totally see, took the wind yes, out of his yes, sails. Yes, he had come up with this great idea. Here's what we're going to do. It's going to involve wood, of course, because that's what Ron's going to do. But Anne, in her excitement and her love of Leslie, and as much as Les, I don't know if anyone could love someone as much as Leslie loves Anne, but Anne loves her back, and she just comes up with this idea that is just steamrolled over whatever Ron is thinking. Well, Jason, Greg, hi. <laughs> <laughs> Have you met? Yeah, I, yeah. What, who? Who? Um. This scene with you uh, and Adam, this Dennis Feinstein scene, um, a few things I want to call out just to set the stage to talk about this. You know, we should t- talk about like it's the Zapruder film. Like, yes. um, let's, we'll, we'll, let's go it frame by frame, <laughs> yeah. right? frame by frame. Um, first, one of the beats is that um, Dennis berates his current CFO and notable father of two, which we learn, Eddie, in front of Ben... Uh, yelling, don't talk to Eddie and saying, treat him like you would treat a person in another country that you paid $25,000 to hunt. That's one thing just to set the, and we're going to get to that. I also love the fact that in the set deck, there's uh, your signature, right, is above your head. Also- Yes, and it's enormous. Enormous. Advertisements for other colognes, blackout and allergic are in the background. This is a guy who takes himself and this persona Quite seriously, it's quite. Tell us, can you can you bring us into the actor space? Can you bring us into the first? Let me get let me get yeah, into the headspace. Yeah, can you, can you if you need a moment, if you need yeah, a tissue, yeah. uh, anything we can do to let help me, you out, this might get deep. I just need to cross over sure. into the you. artist, your time. the artist's your time. mind. So um, now, yeah, go ahead. How did this? How 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 do you do? You remember when you were like, I get Dennis, I get this character, and I know where the comedy mine is. You know, it's interesting. I think that one of the things that really helped me um, with the... I mean, obviously, in the first episode that I did, like we talked about earlier, where uh, Aziz is pitching me the cologne, it's in a nightclub. The setting is we're all uh, in a nightclub and there's a lot of hubbub and and stuff and, and, and our exchange is brief, you know? And I understood him to be kind of a a dick, a larger than life kind of this this guy that uh, Tom is, you know, reverential of and he's rich and he's got all this power and blah, blah, blah. But there was something about that office set with the giant name, Dennis Feinstein, that I was like, oh, this is the guy. Mm. The guy is, he's not, that's where it clicked in more that he's like the Monty Burns. He's the Mr. Burns of Pawnee, that he is, it's all about him. His name is enormous behind him. All of his colognes are... Because by that point, they'd also put a bunch of his colognes in other way, in other... Um, there's a lot of Easter eggs right. of, like, advertisements for uh, Dennis Feinstein colognes, and the, they show up places. Yes, so yes. it also helped to understand exactly... he's it, He is big. He's, like, to in this world, he's a big deal. 
And so that helped too, to be like, oh no, I need to have even more gravitas or even more of a, I need to be even more of a threat mm. in some ways, you know, is how I started to perceive mm. it. Because because in my mind, he is absolutely malicious. Yes, yes. And what's so interesting- <laughs> And this is-, is where that starts. This is This is the scene where I feel like this is the scene and specifically how Dennis Feinstein treats Ben and then, of course, Eddie, oh, his current yeah, CFO, is so reprehensible that I was like, oh, this is this is how to build off of this guy. And what's so interesting is that first scene that you're talking about, the first time we meet Dennis in this story with Tom, is Tom is trying to impress Dennis, right? Tom wants Dennis to buy into He's this. He's got story. his own he cologne that he wants to. He has a sick fan. He has yeah. a guy who's like, I you're my guy. You're like, I worship you. I, I want to be like you. In this case, you're meeting with someone who very quickly is like, who the hell are you, man? Yeah. Right? Who doesn't immediately buy into the hype of Dennis. In fact, is worried about how you're treating your CFO. Um, yeah. And that must have also, I think, as uh, my guess is, as I'm, as we talked about, I've only done a few acting moments. You have very few. But that must have been <laughs> yeah. very, uh, very fun in developing the characters. Like I'm now playing a wholly different uh, comedy yes. game. Yes, and what I the, and the game that I was playing and that only gets built on uh, from I would say from from the first scene, it's there. It really locks in here, even though it's very brief, and then it just goes crazy. Which is uh, this is a villain. Like, I think of Dennis Feinstein in Pawnee as one of the true, well, truly one of the only villains. Mm, that's uh, legit. One of yeah. the only, one of the only characters, because it is such a, um, everybody, uh, the relationships inside of Pawnee are oftentimes so loving and so, like, wonderful and, and, and caring and kind and generous in a way that I'm like, oh, with some exceptions, I want to be one of the people that is none of those things. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yes. there's a line there's a line later when um Dennis Feinstein, you know, the the crowd is is booing him because he's uh he's he's just a of being at his vi- most villainous and he says, you know, I say something like I am nourished by your hatred. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, like yes. That's, yeah, that's yeah. who Dennis Feinstein is to me. He's the guy who he doesn't care if he's a villain. In fact, he wants it. He invites mm-hmm. it. Give it, give it to me. Give me, give me your hatred. Yes. Well, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, um, John Glazer's Jeremy Jam, who will come uh, on the show soon enough. Like yeah. he, he's one of our, I would say, one of our mainstay great villains. Villain. But even his character by the end has that that thing that we can't help doing at parks in a good way, which is like, do you, can you find the good? Can you find the good in this bad? But Dennis remains... Dennis Feinstein never redeemed. Never, never found the good. And I would tell never you, redeemed. as an actor, I'm super jealous of that because, you know, we're also <laughs> cast based on our looks and everything else. And, you know, this Irish Catholic punum of mine is... Punum. It is what... Punum, whatever the hell it is. It... Um, I don't get those opportunities. And it's got to be so much fun to play a Dennis Feinstein. Oh, my God. Oh, oh that's got to be fun. It's so, it's so fun and also... It was fun to be on set because, you know, because and, you know, pulling back the curtain a bit, because that's, I suspect, what we're here to do on a podcast like this. You know, there was quite a lot of opportunity in this scene, in other scenes to open it up and improvise or have people pitch alt lines. And it was very fun to be on set because Dennis Feinstein is able to say 
stuff that a lot of other characters on the show couldn't, a reprehensible character. And so it was fun to both be able to improvise from that point of view, but also I got the sense that whoever was there, Morgan or the writers or whoever, they were excited to pitch on Mm. Dennis Feinstein runs. Like, there's a great joke in the next, uh, the episode you were talking about before where Andy and Ben and Tom all come to Dennis and they want him to help them out financially and give to the charity and blah, blah, blah. And they all go out, they go to the cigar bar. Anyway, at the end of the episode, uh, uh, Ben comes in and he basically tells Dennis Feinstein to fuck off and then runs away. And Dennis Feinstein is going to chase after him. And, And I think Dan Gore... The Dan Gore, the king of arriving and just lobbing a yes. joke into the fray. Yeah. Dan Gore from out of nowhere goes, because uh, I said something to Eddie, uh, the the character who is the CFO in this scene. Uh, and Dan Gore goes, oh, it'd be funny if you just went, Eddie, get my crossbow. And I was like, <laughs> done. <laughs> done. And it's like, it's in there. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Yes, it's yes. like a great Dennis Feinstein line. And it was just pitched out of, Oh, this is what he would say something like a this. Mm, and then mm. we we did a bunch of takes, which were just different, different versions of, you know, evil intent declared. Oh, yeah. So good. Oh. I love watching Dan when yeah. he would pitch because he, he kind of looked off into the distance and then something would hit him. And yeah. boom, twinkle. Yeah. he'd just yeah. throw it out there and it was usually gold. Yeah. It, it's such a great point. This character is so um, bizarre and mean and unlike so many other characters on pretty much every other character on the series. So it is fun to work that, that comedy joke engine. Like, Oh, I don't have to worry about saving them. I don't have to worry about proving that. Actors, I don't have to worry about being like, I could yeah. just Here make is, a joke. Oh, this is awesome. one of the, one of the only characters in this, in this show that is by design, unlikable. Never redeemed, unlikable through and through, just rotten. Yeah. Even I more so than Glazer, I would yeah, say. Yeah, Even absolutely. more so than uh, the, oh, I think, yeah, I think John gets. Yeah, I he think gets, John yeah, gets he gets more some nice moments. Sure, he does. Yes, exactly. He gets to have softer, nicer moments. He gets to have beats like that. And I and I mean, at the, for Dennis Feinstein, his arc is he starts mean, becomes evil, <laughs> and then like and at evil. the end of his run, he like he's like, I gotta go kill my dad. He's like, he's, <laughs> yeah. He is just yeah. consistently yeah. malicious. Yeah. Oh, that's yes. so much fun. I'm I so know. jealous. I wish we could talk so about jealous. I wish we could talk about this one scene and this character forever. We have to we should push on with the episode, but obviously uh, Jason's going to stick around and keep talking please about this. Stick Clearly, around. a big Parks fan. Don't leave here. me with Greg here. No, Jason, I would, please. Never, no, we, I would yeah. never. Legally, you. at a, legally, you're not allowed to be in a room with me. Just me. <laughs> this is true. Um, so, in our synopsis, Leslie learns her poll numbers have taken a staggering hit due to the scandal, and her advisors drop her campaign entirely. Ben runs into John Ralphio. A scene we've talked about, and advises Ben to use his free time to dive into one of his passions instead of rushing into another job. You know, when John Ralphio is the one giving you sage advice, you know, something's off in your life. Um, Chris feels responsible for derailing Leslie's campaign and lifts her suspension as her Christmas present. You know, we, can I jump in here please, for a second, please, briefly, Greg, if you don't mind? And could, only because I think this is a great kind of illustration of how I feel like the show does a great job not just servicing the storyline of the episode, but the characters that are going through it. It's not just that Ben sees John Ralphio and has this interaction, because we also get a bunch of very funny specifics from John Ralphio about 
that he's just gotten waxed, a bikini wax from a woman named Kim. Like we get his, here he is just arriving for this brief moment to kind of help shine a light on something for uh, Ben's character, uh, uh, Ben Wyatt, um, not Ben Schwartz, uh, Ben Wyatt. And John Ralphio, both is there to service the Ben Wyatt storyline, but also gets a bunch of defining characteristics and bits for himself Mm -hmm. that are very funny. Right. You know, and that that's why I think the show is so strong is like when Ben goes and has an experience with John Ralphio, that experience isn't just good for Ben. It's good for that scene is strong because of every specific that John Ralphio is giving. John Ralphio does so many hit and runs. Yeah. You know, he just comes well, in. So he makes his it, money. Yeah. And then so he makes his money as a character. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just so brilliant. And yeah, and he got yeah. a um he got a yeah, he got a bikini wax and I believe a Brazilian. It, it, yeah. a Brazilian and, I, and can a man have yeah, a Brazilian? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that a thing? Well, sure. Do guys have well, Brazilian? John Ralphio does. For yeah. sure. And, butthole, well. and apparently the butthole. Yeah. He, Jim, yeah, that we Jim, did learn that too. But that's Jim, a great I yeah. dare you. Jim, I dare you. Go get one. Really? Yeah. Final Final episode of the uh, final episode of the, <laughs> of the podcast. podcast. <laughs> we'll record the episode while it's happening. Wow. Yep. Maybe. There you Maybe. go. <laughs> well, it, it is a great scene. John Ralphio's career coach. It's something, you know, really unexpected, but there's something also, to, like I said, to point out, that's how you know Ben's in a place, that John Ralphio's the one giving you something, some sage advice. And we had seen Ben with John Ralphio's character earlier in the season with Entertainment 720, right? fail spectacularly, and Ben was the voice of wisdom. So here's this other guy who he just saw be a cartoon with his own money, with his own career, and now he's the one being like, actually, let me tell you something. I think it's such a, a it's such a fun scene. Also, anytime you can get uh, Ben Schwartz in a scene, in an episode, you do it. Uh, ben, ben has heard me say this, and he has told me I, I have to stop saying it, but I will not. Uh, I think he's a genius. And, and I, I really believe that, and I think he's—I think he's a comic genius. I think he's an improv genius, and some of the stuff we watched him do, uh, some of the outtakes that you can watch online, him with Retta. Oh my God! Um, yeah. Anyway, I—I I, oh, I, his his stuff amazing. is so funny on the show. He's so funny when he's bouncing off of everybody because he can he can mold perfectly that insane character to whoever he's with, mm, whether yes. it is. And especially when it's like, it, it, right? Jenny Slate comes in as his oh, sister. Yeah. Brilliant. Like they're they're insane together. But then when he's uh, bouncing off of uh, Aziz, he's great. When he's bouncing off of everybody, but especially I love the dynamic between him and Adam Scott. I yeah. think I think that when he's with someone who's just playing <laughs> like a a straight uh, a straight yes. man response, yes. yes, it's dynamite. Yes, and how Ron, uh, you know, Ron just negates him. He just negates. Totally. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He can't stand. He yeah. will not put up. I with have any no time other. for this. I have guy. no time for this. Yeah. Um. Well, we should close out this episode. Um. Um. Because it's a it's a really amazing end. To the, oh my of, God! Of I feel like episode. we just started. I know. I know. Well, <laughs> in the end, in our synopsis, Jim, I'm sorry to do it for you. I know we just got going. Leslie returns to City Hall and is pleasantly surprised by the gingerbread parks department that everyone made for her. The group presents her with another gift revealing that they have all volunteered to become her new campaign staff. They remind Leslie of her tireless efforts to assist coworkers and friends over the years. Leslie is deeply touched and accepts their help. Uh, and in the tag, in perhaps one of our most famous best tags in the series, we see John Ralphio at the accounting firm Ben interviewed at, where he begins and ends his temp job in record time. Not just in record time, it was pitched <laughs> as a one-take scene, as a walk and talk, 
that that he gets hired and fired in the same scene. It's one of those pitches you hear. You're like, that is great. I don't know what it's going to look like. Obviously, it's going to look even different than we had in the script because you have someone like uh, like Ben Schwartz coming in who's going to add all this other stuff. Um, and it, it kills me. That scene kills me. Uh, great. It, it's it, a great. It's a great uh, tag for this episode. Yeah. Well, you know, we have a running theme um, that we talk about on Parks and Rec, uh, gifts, parties, and jobs, that pretty much every episode of Parks and Rec, uh, minus a few, has at least one of those, either a gift is given or received. Well, I guess if a gift's received, it's been given. Uh, There's a party of some form or someone gets a new job. (laughs) That happens a lot in our episodes. And in this one, it's obviously, it's a Christmas episode. There are gifts given at the beginning. Um, there are gifts given uh, now at the end to Leslie, but not just that, but the gifts that the park staff is giving to Leslie are new jobs for them. So that's kind of the first time we've seen that in that um, April is now going to be the youth outreach and director of new media for Leslie's campaign. Tom Haverford is going to be image consultant, swagger coach, Anne is going to be office manager and volunteer coordinator. Andy, security, sweets, body man, <laughs> javelin, if need if be. If need be, if sure. Need be. Um, which makes me think, does he have one nearby ready to go at all times? Donna Meagle Transpo, <laughs> a.k.a. rides in her bends. Uh, Ron says, any other damn thing you might need. And we have just, un- we have two killer cherry moments in this scene. First, when the banner, when Leslie's campaign banner is yes. unfurled, it's it's a sight gag. It's it sight gags kill me. Um, it's the banner just unfurls right in front of your face, just as you're walking yeah. right and in behind front. the what, scenes. Yeah, so, take one, it hit yeah. me. The first time it hit me. The banner <laughs> literally ah, hit me. I, we timed it wrong. Yeah. It was but, what I loved about that was like it wouldn't be as funny if you just were standing there and it fell obscuring you. It was the fact that you were entering, that you, that you were entering the moment, you were walking towards it, them yes. to join mm. and were immediately cut off. It was gr- yes. It's a great yes. Yes. bit of physical comedy. Yeah, and then Jerry, after all these wonderful things that people have said, he goes, you didn't tell me we were doing this. I didn't come up with anything. It's just like, wah, wah. And I, yeah. what I loved, I, I, I watched the scene a few times because what really cracked me up, Jim, is you're you you keep playing that feeling in the background. You see your face is just still kind of like befuddled. You're like, <laughs> like I wish I could have done it. Something like, come up with something. Yeah. But I think Greg, we can agree. And Jason, you'll probably jump in on this. I'm the greatest actor you've ever seen. Can right? We, can right. we go with that? Is this something? you're definitely the most humble? I, you know, I hesitated to say this earlier, but so much of Dennis Feinstein. You know, came out of just watching you work. I get uh, it. I get just, it. Just really, yeah. dude. We're watching on the you same work page. And be like, I would see you staring at me. Behind the scenes, yes. behind the scenes, you're a villain. You oh, are I behind the scenes. <laughs> you are you are Dennis Feinstein. I heard they based the Dennis Feinstein character on on you, Jim. There's talk of that. Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, anyway, uh, yeah. The Jerry at the end. Uh, such a great moment. Well, you know. um, we talk a lot about who our episode MVP is, our most valuable Panian. It feels wrong. I don't from from for me. It feels wrong not to say Dennis Feinstein. Of course, when you have the, the great, the great. Oh, yes. but I don't agree. Not in this episode. I, I, I well, agree. I would, I would give. He's you up two, there. I would say two things. One, I would put you as um, a most valuable Panian in this case because you I'll are. Take it. You are. Um, one of our biggest Pawnee personalities that we get in this one. We get so much about you. But I want to give that scene, the scene you have with Adam, the two of you together. I think Adam um, 
in an episode where this is a special and unique episode where it's kind of like our series premiere where we were talking about uh, with I'm Leslie Nope in that Leslie's story is kind of waiting for a moment, right? She doesn't have a strong gay story. And so uh, Ben's search for a job, the the Parks Department making these gifts for her, even the PCP storyline, which doesn't even start to the act to act one break that tells you it's not as vital to the storyline. Um, she's waiting for the news to drop about her uh, campaign being pretty much shuttered by the think tank and then everyone coming in saying, we're going to help run your campaign, which launches us to the rest of the season. So it's not a very big Leslie A story, although Leslie is such a driving force for everyone else yep. in this storyline. And that's why for me, long-winded way of saying that scene that you have with Adam is so fun and so killer and creates this whole other dynamic to Dennis Feinstein that for me, that's my MVP. Wow. That was a lot. There. That was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. I agree. I appreciate it. Thank you. I, yeah. And I love that scene. And I love that scene. And I love because one of the things while watching it, I was like, oh, right. This period where um, everything kind of gets thrown into chaos. You know, like the 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 show's kind of um, structure gets thrown into chaos. Suddenly they are out of their jobs and they're having to, and what was what's fun about the episode and my part in it, it is fun to watch Adam have to go like Goldilocks to all these different places trying to find the, t- t- being out of place, yeah. feeling like he's disgraced and trying to pick up the pieces, very fun. Mm-hmm. It's not just like continuing to go to the office, here same old same old storylines. It's like no, we've broken it up now. Now we've broken the toy and it but we still have to play with it. And that's great. And I love I loved that scene because you're getting Ben Wyatt at a low point. And so to be for Dennis Feinstein to be I I I like when Dennis they have just met and Dennis Feinstein says I like you, Ben. I've always liked you. (laughs) It's like, we just saw the meat seven seconds ago. Like, what's happening? (laughs) Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Do you know someone struggling to figure out their mental health benefits? The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office is here to help. Find us at insurance.ohio.gov slash G-E-T-M-H-I-A or call us at 855-438-6442. Don't wait. The Mental Health Insurance Assistance Office can help you figure out what mental health insurance benefits may be in their plan. Call us today at 855-438-6442. Well, you know, uh, we have Jason here. We have um, one of my favorite things that we do on the show, a town hall. We got a question from one of our listeners. We always like to set it in a place in Pawnee. It feels like we've talked about it so much, setting it in Dennis Feinstein's office. Yeah. 
the 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 odorous uh, <laughs> office. Oh, imagine uh, the not, stink in that office. Yeah, not talking about body. I'm talking about yes, perfume. Perfume. Yes. Um, sitting in Dennis Feinstein's office feels right. And this one comes to us from Amanda, who says, "Hi, Parks team. I have a very deep and thoughtful question. If you had to name a Dennis Feinstein fragrance, what would you name it?" Wow. Oh, wow. wow, wow, wow. Okay. I mean, there's some really good ones. There's some really good ones. And I will say there's the episode that we were talking about earlier, and I'll come back and talk about it, where Dennis Feinstein, when they're going to go to the cigar bar and he tells everybody to scent up, and then they just start going through all the different scent names and what they are. We did that run for a long time, just inventing more and more crazy <laughs> Dennis Feinstein names. And there's, I think... At some point, there was a an outtake reel or a blooper of just those terrible bits, those terrible perfumes from that episode. I, don't, I think it's on YouTube or something. Somebody found it. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to pitch one that I believe. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this because I think Dennis Feinstein would make this, and it would be called like necrophilia. Mm. <laughs> But it's feel, yeah. So it's oh, like yeah, yeah. kind of yes. it's kind of grabby and sexy. But but the the odor is definitely decaying mm. human flesh. <laughs> I I I was thinking of something like calling it NASA, and it's it would say something like you know it's it it's a warning from NASA where you you know you know you're working with powerful stuff like this is this has come with a, a scientific warning that you actually shouldn't use this for the sake of the planet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't top any of those. Well, I, it also makes me, I, there's a great Seinfeld storyline where Kramer comes up with the idea for a cologne um, where it smells like you just came from the ocean, right? Yes. The, like, and he has <laughs> yeah. this great idea and he he forces Jerry to smell his uh, his arm, right? And he says, what does it smell like? And it, it's, it's, it's the beach. He calls it the beach. And then um, there's a B side of that where another episode where that idea was pitched, I think, Calvin Klein, which steals the idea. Um, from him, but I was thinking about that just now, like this, the smells that Dennis Feinstein would think are are powerful. It's also the way that Dennis would sell it, right? So I was thinking, what if there was one oh, yeah. called Sweat, which is like you know mm-hmm. when you bring someone back to your house. You want it to smell like you've been at the gym all day. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. It just smells like the just a sweaty yeah. body. Or I feel like he would come up with one called Jacked. And it's yeah. like, it's like, it's how you smell like when you're in like really good shape. Like when <laughs> yeah, you're really. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God. Let's pretend I came up with that one. Can we say that? Let's, okay, Jim, you uh, just hey, what say, a, Jim, what a, why don't you just say like Jack? What about, hey, you guys, what about um like uh, Jacked? That's not so bad. So like, not you bad. know, it smells like you, you're, 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 you're jacked up. All right. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, let's move on. Well, from if that. you feel <laughs> for our listeners, if you feel like you can top that, I know it's gonna be tough to top Jim's, but if you feel like you can top that, leave your ideas in the comments. And you know what? Speaking of which, um, leave us some reviews. Give us some five stars. Tell reviews. us what you think. Wherever you're finding us, wherever you're listening, let us know what you're thinking. We always like to hear from you, and what we incorporate those thoughts into our episodes. We want to deliver the podcast that you love about the show you love. And, and, and if you hate us, and go to hell. Us, I don't to care. Hell. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, Jim won't litigate. That's <laughs> not his way. It's not, I am not litigious. And if, and if you hate the show, leave a five-star review and then write a scathing, uh, yes. hate-filled uh, uh, review in the, in the 
body of the text. Oh, just give it five give stars. It five stars. Give it the five stars. Hot, that's a yep. hot tip. That's a hot tip. And so I think it's yes. and also subscribe and hate. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We like all, oh. all the above. Well, um, thank you, not just for those listening, but thank you, Jason, for joining us today, talking about uh this episode, but just talking about Parks and Rec and your time on the show. It's been just uh, I can only speak for Jimmy. An absolute joy to chat with you about this. I have loved oh, every yeah. second. I am a huge fan. I see you in all sorts of things. Um, and again, I trust every time I turn, I'm hearing about Jason. Oh, that's that's very sweet. Thank you. I had a great time. I was honored to be asked. I'm thrilled to talk about, you know, one of my favorite characters on one of my favorite shows. Yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so grateful to have been a part of a show that is that I think is so terrific and so so good and so funny and so sweet. Like here, like we were talking about, here's a show that is wall to wall funny. This whole episode, and then at the very end, so heartfelt and tender and kind and loving in a way that doesn't rob any of the jokes, doesn't step on any of the humor, but is so um, sincere and heartwarming that you really are, you are invested in this world so much more so than most other um, half hour, you know, uh, comedies. And and that's what I loved uh, just even getting today to watch this episode, having watched the show, of course, before and being a part of the show. And then also, I can't tell you, I'm sure, Jim, you know this, you know, way more than I do. I can't tell you how many people want to talk to me about Dennis Feinstein mm, and Parks sure. and Rec. It yep. is... It is beloved in a way that I don't know if any of you know. It is, it is for me, a incredibly side tertiary character. People still are obsessed mm. with Dennis Feinstein and obsessed with Parks. Even now, this many years later, it makes me so delighted and so happy whenever people recognize me from this show. It's great. Well, let's. That was lovely. Yeah, How lovely. do we do? We can't do anything you, more than that. You My can't, God, you can't top that. You can't top this guy, Jason. Thank you, and uh, from all of us here, goodbye from Pawnee. Goodbye from Pawnee. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. This has been a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a mysterious room of long-forgotten moldy mascot memorabilia, often pitched by ad agencies, always rejected by NJM. Is it real? We may never know. But what is real is NJM's dedication to doing what's right for their customers. Astoundingly, they're proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. Learn more at NJM.com.